What's up, guys? Dan here with some context for you. Um, I believe it's been about a week and a half, two weeks since I last posted. And so uh, this, our little stand-up is going to be a little bit longer to, uh, to catch up on. Jeez, what, what, what even happened? <laughs> um, last week and protruding into this week, has been, for some reason, the most frustrating and hardest work week I had um, this whole year, I think. And it honestly has nothing to do with the quarantine or anything. Is It was just a specific problem, a specific project. Uh, just gave me a huge struggle for at least the past two or three days. And the funniest part of it is that the work itself wasn't hard. But it was the setup of the environment to get it running was the hardest part. For those who don't, who don't know, I work in uh, pretty much a, a dev and design workshop making uh, both web apps and mobile apps. And so just trying to get Android to work on a Mac uh, OS is like one of the hardest things I have to battle every so often. And I'm, I'm typically that person that likes to exhaust all my options and Googling and trials and error before I even ask for help. Because I know that other people has their own tasks to do. And, you know, it's, I find it maybe personally, if it's kind of uh, rude or annoying, more, it's more annoying than rude because everyone wants to help everyone, but it, it does, it could be very annoying for a person to keep asking another person some help. Uh, so I tried to reframe for that, but eventually I just got stuck to the point where I had to ask for help. Uh, thank God he did help, um, set things up. However, like three hours later, the environment just pooped on itself and stopped working. So I, at that point I was like hitting my boiling point of like, not wanting to work on this issue anymore. So I put it put it on the side, um, worked on other design things and just to get my mind out of it. And then the next day I went back to it and I kind of just visualized a cold in my head and just kind of went through like if I changed certain things what it would actually look like and honestly I made the changes and yoloed it over and got it merged in and to my surprise it actually fixed the bug that I was dealing with and although I don't recommend I don't recommend for people to do that uh, but Sometimes I think uh, we know uh, what our code is doing um, most of the time. So 
that was kind of a, a, a kudos to me at the same time. Uh, I still have to face that problem again if it comes up again. Uh, so that'll be my struggle again once it comes up because Android always has problems. But luckily, um, the issue I had to do is fixed, proved, and um, spit out to uh, production. So that was my work week. Um, in terms of my workout, I'm on my third week or finishing up my third week by now. And third week of this program is always the heaviest week. So I'm lifting. Uh, I'm lifting 95% of what I'm supposedly can lift. So that's been been a good experience. Uh, I've been posting it up on Instagram and Facebook stories. Uh, so if you want to track my progress as well. It's on there, and so far I'm surpassing the program and even my own expectations, so can't complain there. And nothing else much happened uh, other than I upgraded my sound system. I used to have a Sonos Play 3, and I loved Sonos as a company and their technology and ever since I've heard of it from working at a startup, I've been sold on the company and brand in general. So I was able to sell my previous one to a good buddy of mine that wanted one and upgraded to the Play 5, which is honestly the, the sound difference it isn't that much different, uh, which is great because it's it just means their quality is always the same. Uh, but the technology of it is definitely increased. I can definitely airplay easily. And that, that, that was a big factor in upgrading since I do live in an Apple ecosystem. So it's much easier to, you know, if I'm watching a YouTube video or or listening to some music, I can just airplay it over to Sonos and it'll it'll be a good speaker. Um, let's see, I think that's it for stand-up. Um, this episode we're gonna talk about fonts and colors and how to choose it. So it's another uh, design with context episode. The, the next one after this, I promise, is going to be not so design nerdy stuff. It's going to actually be a start of a new arc in the season where I talk about the, the beginnings of my design career or journey. I'll probably talk a little bit about grade school, high school, and how I got what college I went to, all the different college stories, and um, just all the different routes of becoming a designer. I'm sure some of you guys are interested in learning 
um, that journey. And maybe some of you guys are going through that journey currently and um, you can relate to the different struggles I've had over the years. Without further ado, um, I'm going to cue you out of the stand out, stand up, and we'll talk about the next episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode four. This is a continuation of our Design with Context series. And this uh, blog post is titled, What's Your Type? To continue on our journey of creating our new home, aka portfolio, we're taking a small detour dive to some perceptual patterns that I think would be helpful to kick off our design phase in the right direction. Over the years, I've been finding that defining your typefaces, your fonts, colors beforehand could actually really help define the overall design and even further help you decide uh, certain decisions they have to make later on, whether it is about design or about your brand and so forth. Because a lot of times when we first design, we kind of go the aesthetics route. We say, oh, that looks cool, or those colors work together. Or maybe, you know, I'm sure some of you guys have these uh, special combinations that you always keep around, or these top 10 fonts that, that you use for almost everything. And... You know, there's no there's no wrong or there's no hate on having that collection of fonts uh, as long as you know how to use it and you know uh, what you're trying to state with it. But sometimes it, it locks you into this narrow-minded, uh, narrow field of vision where that's all you kind of see. And so maybe all the design work that you've done has been using the same font for everything and all the designs have the same color scheme. And so it kind of kind of starts getting either boring or maybe uh, revealing a side of you where Maybe you don't understand why you're using uh, those certain combinations of design elements and you're just using them because they're popularity, uh, because they're popular or because you, you've seen it somewhere and you just think uh, you just think you just think it looks good. Uh, so I wanted to do. Uh, something different around this time. Uh, I figured why not we treat typefaces and colors, uh, why don't we treat the process of choosing them out more methodical and logical and start looking into the meaning of them or maybe uh, researching how it's made and the, the beginnings of them 
because I feel like these little patterns could be um, almost like missing plot holes in a story. Uh, we tend to see them all the time in movies and books, but the coolest part of the thing is the, the author never really reveals them, and sometimes the user or the people reading the book actually sees it and formulate their own reasoning or maybe uh, further down the line, the author creates a sequel and then that whole story is uh, revealed and now more people are hooked in because their, uh, their mystery has been slightly resolved. Um, so I feel like if you chose colors and fonts and so forth in the same manner, you can have that same effect. You can tie in customers uh, better to your brand because now it's almost like they, they have a secret of the meaning behind your brand and only people involved with your brand will know it. Um, there's a couple terminology I do want to get squared away so that we're all on the same page. Um, when I say perceptual patterns, it's mainly referring to the little aesthetics that make up your website or your brand. So let's say you're, let's say you as a person, you have a wardrobe of specific clothing types, or maybe they're of specific color palette. Maybe you style your hair in a certain way or do your makeup in a certain way. So all of that paints a picture of um, who you are. They, they don't define, uh, they don't necessarily define a personality, but it, also, it just enhances it. Uh, and then... Um, Side note, uh, typefaces and fonts. Uh, I'm going to be interchangeably using them uh, back and forth. But uh, for those that want to get technical, typeface is the collection of fonts. So Arial, it, Arial as a name is a typeface. Times New Roman is a typeface. So is Helvetica and Georgia. And a font is the more specific term for the style of that typeface. So you know how type, uh, you know how Arial has a bold or italic or maybe a regular or extra bold to it. So those bold, extra bolds are, are fonts. But I think the, the standard use is fonts. So I'm going to probably use that to uh, talk about everything in here. So let's let's dive into my actual journey. Uh, so I began my journey into researching typefaces back in February of this year, way before the quarantine happened. Uh, but uh, the first time around, uh, I did the typical process of listing all the fonts that looked good to me. And, you know, I think most designers typically do this where we just 
write our name or our logo, brand name in a font, and then we just like duplicate it over and over again and change the font, and we just kind of do eeny, meeny, miny, mo, which one looks good, and we choose it. Uh, but something was lacking in that process. Uh, I kind of felt I was cheating because since I had a background in uh, UI design, it kind of made me a bit narrow-minded with the options I was choosing since I believe most of us in the field are more concerned about readability and usefulness of a typeface rather than the history or the design of font. Um, you know, we don't care that a certain font is... We don't typically care that a certain font has a extra... Uh, extra flourish to it or if it has an extra X height to do this and that, you know. So after hitting that obstacle, I, I decided to do something different this time around just to change up my typical process. I needed to switch things around if my goal was to create something for myself. Since this site was going to be about me, my work, and essentially act as my playground, I figured maybe I can find a font that speaks to me, uh, not to be some uh, crazy uh, spiritualist or, you know, thinking that uh, fonts are some type of God. But uh, I, I wanted... I wanted something that could relate to me. I wanted to have a font that has a story that I can relate to, or maybe it was designed for a specific purpose that uh, rang a bell for me. So similar to how we invest in, you know, brands, mission and goals, uh, I figured maybe there's a font that has that same type of purpose. Um, so in addition, uh, you know, because I'm going to use this website for blogging and writing more, I also had to I also had to keep in mind that the font had to be had to be useful in some in some regards. You know, it it still had to be readable um, because you guys are just as important as myself when it comes to become when it comes to choosing this. Uh, choosing this font. Um, so I also, I also wrote about how uh, that I wanted to choose a, a sans serif and serif pairing because uh, serifs, uh, for, those of, for those of you that aren't into design, are basically those fonts that have those little feats and little, uh, they call them for serifs, but uh, most people tend to call them like little feats on the letters, and these just kind of act as act as uh, anchors to help separate words into more digestible chunks. Um, as opposed to sans serif, which doesn't have them, so sans serif uh, will be more round. 
will be more round and uh, maybe a little geometric in, in shapes and size. All right, uh, we're going to be talking about some super nerdy design stuff below. So I spent hours and hours reading about typefaces, doing my research about, you know, how are, how are they made, why, why certain letters are made this way. And, you know, I, I was looking at a lot of different foundries, and foundries are basically places where, um, like, all, all their main job is to, to create fonts and typefaces. It's pretty cool. And I finally landed upon a foundry called the Klim Foundry. I hope I'm saying that right, but I have uh, included the link to it in the blog, along with uh, other visuals below, if you get to read it. Uh, but everything in here just blew my mind away. Uh, the way the website was made, the the way they presented their fonts, um, and so, you know, I went to their about page to start reading about their, their, their mission. So, quote, uh, they said, typefaces reflect a culture's priorities and aspirations. This is why we keep designing new typefaces. The job isn't done. Uh, so that quote reminded me a lot about what I think design is too. Um, obviously, culture changes, people's behavior changes, you know, which ultimately means that the way users think and interact now is going to be different than how they think and interact in the future. We learn new things and we phase out older methods. Uh, you know, remember the time where we used to have to plug everything in to use it. Um, and now, now we got people wearing wireless headphones. We have people talking to little black circles to do shopping and to do things uh, that we we want. Um, so as a result, uh, designs has to be reinvented as well. It has to be tweaked and changed over time. And Design will never be done because we're always changing. So it's cool. It's cool that we can find these little companies and like these pockets of inspiration is what makes us, um, at least designers, like super happy about uh, correlating, uh, correlating these things together. Uh, you know, it's almost like a very euphoric state when things start to click. So on the site, I found two fonts that piqued my interest. One is called Zune. Uh, I believe it's German. And so for those who are German, you can correct my pronunciation. But um, basically, this is... This is a hybrid font. Um, and from the story I've read and what I can remember is the person wanted to mimic, um, he wanted to mimic an old font, but with like slight changes. And he had his inspirations because he was uh, looking at the font 
at uh, at the New York uh, subway uh, station. You know, all their uh, subway signs are using this specific font, which is called uh, Accidents Grotesque at the time. But uh, little did he know that the font they were using for the subway station wasn't uh, wasn't that font because they. I guess recently they changed it to a different font. And so basically he was trying to mimic one font, but he was actually mimicking another font. And so his mind kind of melded both of those uh, ideals together. And so uh, and so this hybrid came to be of this font. Um, so I, I really like that principle because... Uh, you know, it's almost like real life, right? Uh, when you have two things and you mix them together, you have this really interesting or new ideal, and it's it's uh, pretty cool. Um, obviously, you can tell that I didn't choose that font because I don't have much to say about it. But I, I did like the original ideal of it. It it is a great it is a great. Uh, typeface for those that are interested the the other typeface i saw was called untitled um they they have both a sans serif and a serif so for me that kind of checkboxed that little uh, requirement of mine already but as i read the story i was my jaw was kind of dropping like whoa this is this is totally me. <laughs> uh, let's see. I'm going to read a quote from them. So the untitled collection was deliberately designed not to be designed. Uh, you might be like mind blown of what, what that even means. Um, so the story of this typeface is super relatable to me and how I view the world and life in general. Uh, there's a concept of designed in living called being super normal. Uh, and uh, within the article, they, talk, uh, they talked about this book called Super Normal. And uh, I eventually baited myself to buy the book about it because I got into this, to this mold where I just had to learn what this, understand what it was all about, you know, because I'm at the point where if I'm going to use a font uh, that has this as its main uh, history or meaning, then I should probably obviously figure out what it actually uh, actually details. So I got the book. And a week later, I start reading it. And it turns out the book is, is about two designers. And... Um, they were in Japan and they held a gallery where they chose all these different objects and laid them out and in the museum and just like invited people to come and just like look at these objects. And they picked these objects specifically because um, they're not, uh, they're not intentionally designed uh, to be, crazy looking or to stand out like one of the 
objects was a paperclip and a stapler or a garbage can. Um, and so, yeah, so super normal is the, the concept of creating something that's not noticeable. Uh, creating something so normal that it's undistinguishable from other normal items. Uh, so I picked out some quotes that uh, seemed interesting to me. Uh, this is by Jasper Morrison, who is one of, one of the curators at the museum. And he says, there are better ways to design than putting a lot of effort into making something look special. Special is generally less useful than normal and less rewarding in the long term. Special things demand attention for the wrong reasons, interrupting potentially good atmosphere with their awkward presence. So that says a lot. Uh, you know, Sometimes I feel like in today's world, we often care about what's that shiny object, what's new, what's up and coming. And we get too caught up in the material phase that we take normal things for granted. You know, a table with four legs, garbage can, or even a paper clip. Like these designs were so well made that we, we don't think about it anymore. And certainly we forget about the people that designed them. And to my eyes, to my mind, uh, I think this is what the epitome of timeless design means, where you can design something in a shape or that has a function and it's being used for hundreds of years. But at the same time, nobody knows who made it or you know, the design to it hasn't been changed because it's been perfectly designed already uh, to be timeless. You know, I was going to do this fun challenge where I was going to go around my room just to gather a bunch of uh, objects I had and, like, list out how many years I've had it for, but I don't think I even had anything in this room that's more than 10 years other than... Uh, other than uh, memorabilia and st stuff like that. Uh, another, another fun thing about the book, uh, there was a story about a Japanese designer that went to the gallery and he started to admire, admire some bowls. He, you know, he was like, oh, these bowls are really nice and all that stuff. Uh, it turns out the bowls look so normal, and especially in the gallery where they place it among other normal stuff that the person that said like these looked these bowls look good he was the actual person that made the bowls and i didn't get that until um later in the article you know they were explaining like how great of a feeling it is to admire something that that you've made um and and, and I think in today's world, that's hard for most designers to, to do. Like we tend to tend to look down on our designs. You know, if we make a logo, we're like, oh, that's all right. Or if we make for, if we make a, 
design for someone, you know, that person's like, oh, this is really cool because they didn't make it. They didn't know the work or uh, the process of making it. So they're like, oh, this is really cool. This is super creative. Well, the creator ourselves are like, man, you know, it's typical process or, you know, oh, you know, that's the font I use for 20 times. And so I think we forget to admire that uh, some of the things that we do make are actually great. And so that, uh, yeah, we forget that to admire that some of the things we do do make are great. And I thought that was a great uh great story and mantra to try to great goal to reach you know if I could reach that goal where I'm going down a road and I see something that's that's cool and little did I know like they used a resource of mine or maybe they their poster was inspired by something I've made you know that's think that would be a cool feeling to have all right so what did i finally choose and you've guessed it uh, i chose the untitled collection it speaks more to me it has a great story um the whole concept of being super normal is great once you see what uh, these fonts look like you probably won't notice it on my blog it'll be like nothing has changed but that's the whole point of it uh, the font is normal enough that it makes the the atmosphere more inviting warm and welcoming you don't you don't have to stress trying to read it or uh, you don't have to have a special computer <laughs> to decipher it and all that stuff so it's uh, simplicity at its best. All right, uh, we're going to go over quickly of the colors. Uh, for me, it was kind of simple because all of you guys know uh, dualistic is about uh, of or having two parts. And Panda is like my main brand. So obviously, Panda only has two colors. So it's uh, black and white. Um, but I went through the same process, you know, I've, uh, I've looked into what meanings white gives off and what meanings black give off. Um, so, um, so I wrote a, I wrote a little segment about the colors I chose and, uh, the only reason I'm not going to use pure black is because um, for obvious contrasting reasons, it's better to read on uh, not pure black than it is to read on a pure black background. But I mean, if you think about it, if you think, let's say I use a black background as the base and, you know, if you treat my words words of like wisdom or advice they're white text so they're almost like a light source and so when you have a light source and a dark background you don't really have an actual black background so it becomes a little 
little lighter. Uh, so that's a little plot hole story that I created of why I'm using those uh, two specific colors. But in the end, I, I do recommend you guys to search up what colors mean, uh, what kind of emotional response they give out, because it actually does matter. Try to relate it to your goals and missions for your brand or for yourself. Uh, I feel like there's always this hidden reason why we like certain colors and maybe learning why that is can also uh, help define you as a person. So, uh, tips on how to decide. So, most of you guys are thinking like, wow, this is a, a lot of work for maybe not much value, but I, I think it is valuable. Uh, once you once you're stuck on something, on typefaces and colors that actually mean something to it, uh, your brand will grow stronger. And in addition, it's funny that I research all those typefaces because, you know, I felt like I learned a little bit more about myself as a person. And, you know, that's definitely uh, valuable to me. So... You know, just like there's a balance to life, there's a balance to design. You're still more than welcome to keep designing iterations until you find something that looks great. But remember, the beauty of design comes from the decisions made during design. Build a story for yourself that not only you can invest in, but others will too. Uh, I hope the little decisions I've made to create um, to choose these different things uh, will make it uh, will make my brand stronger for people that check it out. These little arcs and backgrounds to your design is what makes it more beautiful in my books. Uh, I love seeing the hidden messages and hidden meanings behind things. Like um, it's kind of like when artists are creating song titles you know it's not because they're choosing random words it's usually because it means something or when they're making lyrics it whoops uh, i'm sorry about that anchor pretty much told me that i'm dragging too long and <laughs> cut my recording at exactly 30 minutes but i'll definitely take that excuse to shut up um as i was saying uh you know, do your research on choosing your typefaces, fonts, and colors. It'll only make your brand stronger. Uh, not only that, but you'll, you might come up to something like me where you actually self-discover who you are. And I think that's going to be a valuable thing for not only yourself, but your brand in the future. And so next episode, we're going to actually probably start designing I'm going to figure out the best way to do that, but uh, I think you'll be seeing some changes on the website pretty soon, so we're getting to the actual sauce. Uh, thanks for listening, and have a good day.